0: Maybe it can. Good afternoon, I'm T. Hetzel. You've got Living Writers on WCBN FM, Ann Arbor. Today, I'm so happy to have Yusef Komunyaka here in the studio with me. Yusef, welcome.
1: Thank you. Good thanks, to be
0: here. thanks so much for being here today and being here at Michigan all week, actually.
1: That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: not. It's not a quick visit. We, right. We right. we get to. Um, you've read um, on Monday. Right, you read yes, at the yes. the art museum right. um, poems, and then on Thursday you have an upcoming talk, also at the art museum, right? right? right. And um, and that's it's time plus space equals individuality.
1: Time and space equals individuality. Yeah. Okay,
0: so not plus
1: hand oh okay Oh, okay it works okay
0: so that people can go and and see you speak on thursday uh, 5 p.m okay wonderful well without further ado i'll read the the short bio in the back of war horses um out with fsg um and then we'll fill in some of the the gaps okay because it's gonna it's surprisingly short (laughs) (laughs) and i know now i know something about your biography and it is not capable of beans. Yeah, anyway. Okay, here we go. Yusef Komunyaka's 12 books of poetry include Taboo, Talking Dirty to the Gods, and Neon Vernacular, new and selected poems for which he received the Pulitzer Prize. I like that we start with that because I don't think you... I was so lucky you came to my class as you were saying this morning and I, I I don't even know... If, if that came up at all during the course of our time there, did it?
1: No, no. Um, it wasn't important. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> the questions and answers, I think, were the important elements of it.
0: Yes. Do you think that that's because once you – maybe once you receive these awards, it sort of fades – They.
1: One hope so when ho- <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> in, or you start getting t-shirts that say hello I'm a Pulitzer Prize winner no no oh no, no. <laughs> no. uh, well actually on our walk over there we were talking about moments in life that could be um, transformative yes. in a way like yes. time and um, and one of them that had come up was your your time in Providence after getting the MFA at yes. Irvine. Yes. Um, was this also one of those transformative moments in 1994?
1: Well, Provincetown, uh, Provincetown. Yeah. Uh, actually, I went there in um, 1980. I hadn't really. Uh, I graduated from UC Irvine, and I hadn't um, submitted any applications for jobs or anything. But so, so at the last moment, I applied uh, to Provincetown. Phonauts Work Center, and luckily enough, yes.
0: It was meant to be then. I
1: suppose so, yes.
0: And so then you headed off there in the winter months, didn't you? Yes, (laughs) yes,
1: for seven uh, months um, of cold, but it was also a moment that energized my work. I, I focused my work and began to live with the idea that I could work on three or more Projects at once,
0: and why is that important to you? Uh, the three projects working, um, in tandem, and and how? Because some people feel like they have to keep boundaries to funnel all the energy in one, but it sounds like you work best with, with the three, right? And, it's right. All, and you've mentioned three before. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah.
1: I, I suppose uh, um, it started off with an idea, a numerology, but. Uh, <laughs> As something <laughs> as abstract as that, but uh, and
0: Yusuf is a Taurian,
1: tor-
0: <laughs> born <laughs> under the sign of Taurus.
1: <laughs> and then it became more practical. More practical. Um, the fact that I could move from one uh, obsession to the next obsession, and clearly um, make distinctions as such, was very important to me. Um, I wanted an atmosphere um of um, we can say chaos <laughs> but I but I was to establish at least some control out of that chaos. Um, I like how things sort of collide gently with other things and create a moment of tension, even in my work.
0: And the three, the three projects, were they always were they groups of poems that you felt like were somehow those were unified together or did it become some of the collaborative projects that you were working on would be considered part of the three as well? Or
1: Well, the collaborative projects happened later. It was something I sort of eased into. Um, the first real collaborative project was with Pamela Knowles and um a collection of 13 lyrics that she sang and collaborated with pianists to produce the music for her. It's called 13, 13, 13 Desires, 13 Kinds of Desire. And um, I hadn't really written lyrics before, but I had heard Pamela sing. And I knew the tenor of her voice and what the possibility of the songs would be. So I was very uh, aware of that.
0: And at that point, you were always... It seems like music, the lyric, the lyrical quality of poems was always really foremost. Like maybe even going back to Provincetown, maybe during the quiet, the solitary, the isolation of that time, maybe sounds... You were working with sound always.
1: But... Perhaps going all the way back to Bogolosa, Louisiana. Let's. At, when I was five, uh, the radio was a shrine. And I liked the fact that I could hear the vibration of sound early on. So, uh, sound became very tangible. I think our language is of first music. The body is the amplifier. So... Sound and language is very tangible from the onset. I'm very conscious of voice. I read everything aloud as I'm writing. And the ear is a great editor.
0: Even from the very beginning, you from said? From the
1: beginning, yes. But, so when
0: the words are coming... Um, oh, go well,
1: on, if go I, on. If I, going all the way back to when I was five, um, I would... I would uh, sing along with the radio. Um, I
0: would create my
1: own lyrics. Uh, I wouldn't sing the lyrics. I was aware of the music and the intention of the music, but I would create the words. So when you my, were five? Yes.
0: You were a bit of a prodigy then, kind of well, a genius there, Yusuf. Well, <laughs> really? Oh, that's amazing. I didn't know
1: any other way to approach it.
0: And can you, like, like, what sort of, were you making the songs about, like, your day or so, do you think? or My
1: day, uh, my imagination, what I was really fascinated with, uh, the closeness of the woods, uh, the ritual of animals, uh, how old, there was an approximation um, I think of the rituals of animals as then approximation of human life as well.
0: Yes, we were talking about the jewel fly earlier today. That's not an (laughs) approximation of human life, knock on wood, but perhaps the alien film series. (laughs) For sure. sure. Oh, that's lovely, though, that from from when you were five, um, maybe later we could hear Venus flytraps. The okay. poem that would be because that seems to be um, moving through images from that time. Yes. Maybe you were a little older in that, but some some something like that right, time, right? right? right. Um, and so um, with sound then too, because um, in in other interviews you you've also mentioned uh, Richard Hugo as someone who was influential in considering, I I suppose, like the line length and and swing music? yes.
1: I I had read um, Richard Hugo's work, and I'd heard him read. He memorized all of his poems, um, and I thought that was quite uh, an achievement. Uh, Because some of his are quite long, aren't they? (laughs) Right, that's right, that's right. And um, he made a comment that the ideal situation on the page for the poem... Is a combination of long and short lines. And I didn't really comprehend exactly what he meant by that until he had made a statement about in, being influenced by swing music. And I understood perfectly what he was talking about. He was talking about a certain kind of movement, modulation within the context of the language itself as it falls on the page.
0: And were you, were you, so currently, Were you a, in a, an MFA program when you heard him speak? Or was it that time when you were sort of kind of...
1: It was before, actually, I had gone into an MFA program. It was uh, actually, as an undergraduate, I had heard him. Um, he says that in a book entitled Triggering Town. Yeah.
0: And was this something... Um, because when... When were you, when did you start? Because you're also um, known for um, incorporating sort of like the uh, uh, like a, not only a love of jazz, like the music itself, but sort of the movements of it, and and even addressing poems to Thelonious Monk or <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Parker, yes. right? And so was that? I guess I'm trying to understand when because you heard Hugo speak about this uh, relating to language and swing and then yes. when when was that sw- and but then we have you at five with the radio with music and r- right and working right, with language right, 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 right. so um, is it possible to even say when y- for you you started defining your relationship w- with music within the
1: poet poems? Well, much later much later I, I attempted to not define it within those kinds of of imposed restrictions. Um, other people began to associate my love for jazz oh, with yeah. uh, the subject matter and the cadence of the poems. And also with Sasha Feinstein, I co-edited an anthology entitled The Jazz Poetry Anthology. And we did a second one called the Second Set. Uh, at first, I thought there were just a few poems influenced by jazz, but uh, once you started looking, once I started looking, um, uh, I realized that I think it's a. We have, a hundred and thirty-two poets, represented, in that first anthology, I think. So, jazz-related poems, have been part of the American, um, statement, you know, this idea of bringing, um, poetry and music together seems to be unnatural.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. I was wondering how many of the 132 were actually n- not American, like international, because it does seem the so music, grafted the, into right, America. Right, right.
1: The music has always been rather international. And that's what's interesting about the music. The music, it seems, wasn't to separate out voices from each other, but to bring them together. And Wait. that is what interests me about the work, um, the work that jazz does.
0: Like that dialogue of voices, the dialogue. right? Yes. Well, let's take a short break, and then we'll be back. Okay. Maybe we're even going to hear some jazz in the break. We'll see. That's cool. <laughs> You've, You've got Yusuf Komunyaka today on Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. We'll be right back. Have you ever been shot down by love? Blown out of the saddle, cut down in the middle of paradise With a throw of the dice Taken out of action by infatuation Have you ever been shot down by love? to go beyond metaphor, opening that door like Annie Oakley, searching for Buffalo Bill in a Wild West show in the Berkeley hills.
1: Love such a dangerous enterprise for fools
0: and the wise. I'll let the winter crocuses give advice Since February is their only
1: commentary As they push up, push up through the ice
0: Welcome back. If you're just joining us, you've got living writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and today Yusef Komunyaka is here in the studio. Um, thanks to Brian Delaney in the engineering chair for just playing um, th- the perfect song with Pamela Knowles singing to us. Um, Yusef's lyrics, right? The, yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. <laughs> the um, kinds of desire.
1: <laughs> right, right. 13 <laughs> kinds of desire. Um, actually, what happened was that um, Pamela... Was doing a reading in Australia and I was living in Australia at that particular time and she asked me, she said, do you think you can write lyrics? And I said um, Since I right, was five. right?" right, right. <laughs> uh, I, I said I, I, I'll give it a, will give it a try and over the months I wrote 13 lyrics for her and she recorded them.
0: And there's that number three again.
1: Right, right, <laughs> right.
0: Do you have anything um, it, that's 33 yet? Or? No,
1: not yet, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Uh, uh, no, definitely not 33 books. um uh, no. Maybe 33 poems.
0: <laughs> How long since you've heard that?
1: It's uh, been a while since I've heard that. Um, at one time, I was playing it continuously. I think it's an interesting... And, um, Use of talent, uh, it's, a, it's a, a definitely a collaboration that I embrace. There are so many musicians uh, involved with this project based in Sydney because it was actually produced in Sydney.
0: It seems like you have spent chunks of time in all these different parts of the world. And so are you able to touch back to these places, like uh, revisit Australia? Um, I know you went back to Vietnam because you were invited back to meet um, the writer, Vietnam Writers Association, right? Yes,
1: um, that was in 1990. I went back to, uh, to Vietnam um, with five other veterans. We were there to visit um, the Vietnamese Writers Association and to establish a dialogue with them, a necessary, needful dialogue about our experiences about how we can move on um, through that very deadly moment in a shared psyche. Uh, so, 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 yes.
0: Well, what a responsibility to be one of, then, the ambassadors for the U.S. to try and make that bridge.
1: Um, it was necessary, let's say it that way, I think, for each of us as well. Uh, What was interesting about that is that I was surprised by um, how willing the Vietnamese were to establish a dialogue. That there was a climate of forgiveness uh, um, and embracing. Uh, There were friendships established of friendships that last until today and continue.
0: And when part of it was sharing work, did they read some of the poems that you had
1: made? They translated some of the poems and um, there was a sharing of work, um, as well as the sharing of pathos, of um, moving through something in order to come to the other side of something. Initially, those first few hours in Hanoi, there seemed to be a standoff. Uh, um, I I suppose when you get a group of males, primarily males in a room, uh, it can be rather problematic. Um, uh, People basically saying what they did in Vietnam at that particular time. Um, But there was a woman who came in and told her story about... Um, opening an, a dead American soldier's wallet and coming across a whole family. And the tenor of that discussion changed, and we realized that we were, again, capable of being at least straightforward and tender with each other at the same time.
0: People with families. Right. Somebody, yes. Um and so you are also going in in the coming months you're going to the sudan um
1: and um in may in may and uh, sudan to, um, to Nairobi and cairo yes
0: and and why what is the purpose of of these trips then
1: well, I have a book that's been translated into Arabic, Arabic and um i I think um, it's a moment for me to to read my poems overseas again. Um, I'm interested in how others relate to them if they grasp the music. The music as opposed to the meaning. Because I do think that meaning... Um, when it's on the surface, can be rather problematic, but the music of the Talon is important as well, because it goes straight to the body as opposed to the mind
0: and if you know the language that it's working in it's it's something that you're experiencing, but it's yes. almost impossible to separate right to know.
1: Well I do think that one has to trust one's translators. I think that's important
0: <laughs> oh, yeah that's true yeah, yeah, yeah. choose carefully
1: right right, right right and <laughs> um, be respectful of the translator. I think that's important
0: well and you've you've worked in translation as well
1: well, in <laughs> such a limited way um, i'm I love reading. The texts that have been translated. Um, I wouldn't have discovered Neruda without w- without reading Neruda in translation mm. early on. To, um, he's one of my um, I admire him. Um, extreme, extremely, um, oh. such a interesting voice. Uh, it's a world voice. As a, I suppose I discovered that um, in reading something some of the Latin American poets. But I remember uh, posing the question to Gwendolyn Brooks. I was in graduate school. Uh, I said, well, what is art? And she didn't miss a beat. She said, art is that which endures. And when I came to Neruda's work, that was a clear-cut example of what she meant, by art endures.
0: And another example um, of a, a person who embodied the poems within, like memorized, and the the population memorizes the poems of neruda now because he's been gone a long time right, right right people young people in spain in madrid they memorize because they want to the love poems because they so, use it for wooing right, 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 right. <laughs> you know and that's and a- also the amazing. fact that he wrote
1: those poems so so young you know <gasps> they're published in his early 20s i went uh, to chile uh, to celebrate neruda's 100th birthday and i was surprised by the fact that so many citizens knew his work. Young people knew his work. All people knew his work.
0: He was still alive. He was I mean, still not alive his body, in a certain sense, but his mind
1: and his heart. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right.
0: And well, you, and you mentioned in class uh, earlier this morning yes. that people um, there's a caretaker of the, his his house, and yes. people still send letters. Will that's you say? Right, that's
1: will right. you tell? I well, well no, you. <laughs> no, it was interesting because the caretaker just opened a letter, and it was a it was a very amazing, straightforward letter from a nine-year-old girl, and it was almost as if she had written a letter to her grandfather. It was very personal. and um, One could sense that she respected Neruda as if he were a member of her family. That's important.
0: And it's through the poems. It's through it's the poems, and and the the tenderness and the the care and the love of that's in within those
1: poems. Well, when I read Neruda, I think about my own definition of poetry. Okay, I, yeah. My definition is uh, celebration and confrontation. So, <laughs> yes, all of that is in Neruda.
0: Completely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a a short film of Neruda. Um, and Borges. Um, and one sees the tip of Borges' um, walking cane tapping against the cobblestones. That's how he is introduced. With Neruda, there's a whole hurrah of voices as if there were a great surge of birds, but there are the voices. Of people around him.
0: I will have to see that that film, yes. that short film. Yes, that's am- that's actually amazing. Yes. Bor- so, and Borges is also someone who is like a touchstone, I think, yes, for, for sure. you,
1: right? For, for sure. Um, more of the the prose. Um, I'm interested how a certain kind of lyricism in his poetry. Um, introduces him to a different voice when it comes to prose. Um, it's woven with lyrical intent, the prose is. Um, and also history and mythology, everything woven together as a seamless tapestry.
0: That's actu- that's beautiful because it's... Um it's it's it seems like that's I can see why he's one of your people because of the world the world aspect of it and the connecting yes, outward yes. constantly.
1: Right, right.
0: <sighs> All right, let's okay. take a short break and then when we come back, um could we hear a a couple of poems Yusuf does that sound good yes okay good. we'll do that you're listening to living writers today on the program we have Yusuf komanyaka here in the studio so lucky so happy take a short break we'll be back <laughs>
1: I see you crying. Children of Dapple, Mother Africa is dying. I'm on the street with no food to eat. Children of Dapple, I see you bleeding, Children of Dapple, Mother Africa is needing a helping hand. Got spread it out the For one time I see a supper Two times I see a supper Three times I see a supper Ten
0: Welcome back. You've got Living Writers on WCBN FM, Ann Arbor. I'm T. Hetzel. And today, Yousef Komunyaka here in the studio um, and some, with some great music uh, for our breaks picked out by Brian Delaney there right. <laughs> and, and yeah. Lizzie in training. Um, right. <laughs> um, Yusef, so that, that's for the, the world aspect, right? Your, your right, upcoming right. trip.
1: <laughs>
0: right, right. <laughs> um, would you will you read for us?
1: Venus's Flytraps. I am five, wading out into deep sunny grass, unmindful snakes in yellow jackets out to the yellow flowers quivering in sluggish heat. Don't mess with me, cause I have my lone ranger six-shooter. I can hurt you with questions like civil bullets. The tall flowers in my dreams are big as the first state bank, And they eat all the people except the ones I love. They have women's names with mouths like where babies come from. I'm five. I'll dance for you if you close your eyes. No, peeping through your fingers. I don't suppose to be this close to the tracks. One afternoon I saw what a train did to a cow. Sometimes I stand so close I can see the eyes of men hiding in boxcars. Sometimes they wave and holler. For me to get back, I laugh when trains make the dogs howl. Their ears hurt. I also know bees can't live without flowers. I wonder why Daddy calls Mama Honey. All the bees in the world live in little white houses except the ones in these flowers all sticky and sweet inside. I wonder what death tastes like. Sometimes I toss the butterflies back into the air. I wish I knew why. The music in my head makes me scared, but I know things I don't supposed to know. I could start walking and never stop. These yellow flowers, gone forever, almost to Detroit, almost to the sea. My mama says I'm a mistake, that I made her a bad girl. My playhouse is underneath our house, and I hear people telling each other secrets. And a poem, more recent, a poem entitled, When Eyes Are On Me, from the forthcoming book, The Chameleon Couch. When Eyes Are On Me. I am a scrappy old line who's wandered into a Christian square, quavering with centuries of forged bells. The cobblestones make my feet ache. I walk big shouldered my head raised proudly. I smell the blood of a king. The citizens can only see a minotaur in a maze. I know more than a lion should know. My roar goes back to the Serengeti. To when a savannah was craggy ice, but now it only frightens pigeons from a city stoop. They believe they know my brain's contours and grammar. Don't ask me how I know the signs engraved on a sundial, the secret icons behind a gaze. I wish their crimes hadn't followed me here I can hear their applause in the dusty citadel. I know what it took to master the serpent and wheel the crossbow and spinal tap. Once I was a leopard beside a stone gate. I'm a riddle to be unraveled. I am not, and I am. When their eyes are on me, I become whatever is judged badly. I circle the park. Hunger shapes my keen sense of smell, a lifetime ahead. They will follow my paw prints till they loss lost in snow at dusk. If I walk in circles, I hide from my shadow. They plot stars to know where to find me. I am a prodigal bird Perch on the peak of a god house. I have a message for fate. The sunlight has shown me the guns, and their beautiful sons are deadly.
0: Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. Now we'll have an argument about that.
1: <laughs> right, 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 Yes.
0: Because that way we'll have the celebra- celebration and the confrontation in our moment right right right, right. <laughs> well that was those were um it's it's funny because this when you were reading uh venus's fly traps then i was hearing echoes from the the lion's roar uh, oh, that's it, interesting. and so then it, yes <laughs> and because in both you're saying as a five the 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 voice of a five-year-old like i know more than I, I should know, and then this is what the lion is saying right, right, again, right? Right, right, right. right, right, um, right. But it's, it's such, diff- such time elapsing in a way. <laughs> that's right,
1: that's right, that's right. But um, points of reference uh, converge, and I suppose it points me also to certain kinds of obsessions that humanizes us um, through a certain... Uh, controlled, um, meditated upon uh, as passion, perhaps.
0: Can you say more about the obses- obsessions that humanize us?
1: Well, the fact that we... is it
0: because is it only, It's not just for artists, is it? Like right, I feel like right. it, it. It's part of the artist, right? What you
1: yes, uh, the... It, the fact that we are willing to well think about the poem, uh, the way that I read poems. I love reading them again and again, and I gain something from them each time because being such complex uh, organisms, we um, desire, demand a certain kind of stimulus, uh, stimuli. And um, we want to be challenged, Uh, but also I tend to say that the reader is also a co-creative meaning. Um, I think all this links up um, and makes some sense in my psyche. And the fact that I I love going back to those early moments when I when I was five, um, looking very closely at everything around me, and being reminded later on... To, um, that uh, Baldwin says um, um, we have to know what's happening around us in order to know what's happened to us because we are a part of everything around us. And that makes sense um, because um, we engage the world in a different way. Uh, I can't imagine anyone that hasn't looked up at the sky, but um, in there's a satirical piece that that I wrote. Um, it's a, it's a dialogue between term. a speaker that could be me, <laughs> but also <laughs> uh, also a character um, um, who defines himself as Brother Point Blank. Um, he says whatever approaches him. Uh Very straightforwardly, and um, there 's this dialogue between them, and there 's a moment where um, brother Point blank agonizes and wonders, is there anybody who hasn 't at least gazed up at the sky and wish he or she could be a bird?
0: And and then, and the, Yes, and then there's the prodigal bird in the
1: poem. <laughs> yes, yes, right? yes, yes, yes.
0: And, and is this at all related to the cassowary?
1: <laughs> the cassowary, we were talking about the cassowary. Um, and I think the reason I was talking about the cassowary uh, is that um, it's a bird. Um, I, was, I was visiting Cairns in um, northern Australia, um, close to the Great Barrier Reef and um i had gone out into the rainforest and i was walking on this path and i came across the cassowary i was standing there armored in all of its blue radiant feathers and pretty much saying, don't don't even dare
0: and it's a pretty big bird right it you is you, a you big described bird. it as coming up to like hip level or right. or above right. even standing That's right. on the ground and That's then right. yeah
1: so I I, I just <laughs> let it stand there and made a path around it. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: cassowary.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't written about the cassowary yet, um, but I'm quite sure it's going to enter um, a poem somewhere.
0: I don't see how you could keep keep <laughs> him out. Right. 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 <laughs>
1: Right.
0: Especially because I love how there's been different moments during our conversation so far, Youssef, that where the um, like the mind and the and the and the brain yes. and and that energy, and I think you had called it um, uh, particu- the particular perfection of the brain earlier today in class, like some or, uh,
1: um, I, I I refer to it as as the accidental. Accidental perfection.
0: Accidental perfection. That's yeah. it. Our bra- like how our brain is it, discovering or moving around or, or reaching outward or looking up at the sky and imagining. How, how,
1: how it demands to, um, to engage whatever is there in the psyche and beyond the psyche. Um, how it engages an extended possibility. Um, and I... I like that idea a lot, uh, especially associated with poetry, because I believe that there isn't any topic that's taboo, but one has to have a system of aesthetics um, where beauty and terror aligns and create a certain kind of tension. That Poems that beckon to us um, and demand some attention, demand our... Participation. I suppose language is that, which also keeps us human.
0: Has there ever been a poem that you feel that's that's there, but that's elusive? That there's there's that tension, um, and maybe there's pieces of it, or you hear pieces or music of it, but there's something that's not that's not finished with you yet. Uh, even though and the thing itself is not made yet or
1: created yet. Yes, um, there are poems like that. Um, And maybe that's what Mm. I really mean by obsession as well. There are topics that I return to, and I see them differently because I've been changed. And remember, I said that um, each of us is such a complex organism, and time changes us and so what we were thinking uh, 2 days ago is entirely different perhaps in some ways than what we'll be thinking tomorrow
0: unless part of us is somehow deadened
1: right, right? and then right. Uh, because well um deadened in the sense that um apathy um but i think apathy it's cultivated uh, and perhaps it is a natural.
0: Like maybe a defense.
1: It may be a defense. Yes.
0: Let's take a short break, and then we'll be right back. This will be a short break. You've got Living Writers today. Yusuf Komanecka here in the studio. We'll be back. back you've got living writers i'm t hetzel and today yusuf Komenyaka here in the studio um that was some that was a great little bit of music and now for a poem
1: okay um blue dementia in the days when a man could hold a swarm of words inside his belly nestled against the spleen singing in the days of night riders, when life tongue to read to blues and sorrow song called out of the deep night, another man done gone, another man done gone. In the days when one could lose oneself, all up inside loved that way and did moan on the bone till the gods cried out in someone's sleep. Today Already I've seen three dark-skinned men discussing the weather with demons and angels, and gazing up at the clouds and s- squinting down into iron grates along the far streets of luminous encounters. I double-check my reflection in plate glass and wonder, am I passing another Lucky Thomason, a Marin Brown, cornered by A blue dementia, another dark skinned man who woke up dreaming one morning and then walked out of himself dreaming. Did this one dare to step on a crack in the sidewalk, to turn a midnight corner and never come back whole, or did he try to stare down a look that shoved a blade into his heart? I mean, I also know something about night riders and cat got, yeah, honey. I know something about talking with the ghosts.
0: I love that there's a knowing something again there, right? And maybe yes. it's and if you're talking to ghosts, ghosts, that's um knowing quite quite a bit, isn't it? well, <laughs> <Mother>. <laughs> well, I,
1: well I think. We are um, responsible for what we witness. And I mention, interesting enough, two jazz musicians in that poem, Lucky Thomason and Marin Brown, um, who created beautiful m- music, but also, in the final analysis, life, um... Dealt them, um, let's say, a different kind of life, a different kind of reality.
0: Yeah, it, it seems that way. You had mentioned to me uh, at another time, Buddy Bolden. Yes, the same, maybe the same, because of uh, being such a talented cornetist, and then and having a band, and 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 then having. Schizophrenia coming right, into right. the equation, and then suddenly having nothing.
1: That's right. That's right. And that's and that's the same thing that happened with uh, uh, Lekka Thomson and Maron Brown to an extent. So, um, so this
0: complete, like this uh, complete um, boom of creation, and then disintegration.
1: Right. 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 Um, so, so one has to, um, I suppose, in creating. Not necessarily knock on wood, but one has to be fully engaged as as artists, as human beings, and realizing that there are all these possibilities. Um, not that one has to walk on, to use a cliche, Uh, eggshells but one has to at least create an illusion of being in control of one's destiny i think that's very important for the artist and maybe that's what art is about as well the uh, at least the illusion of being in control
0: That's the honestly the last thing I thought you were I had no idea you, that's what you were going to say. Yes. Why then? Why what is it about the the illusion of control like for the art because everything could just because everything is this the like the senses everything if you're not able to stop things from coming in and ordering them and no, somehow I, it you will what yeah tell well, you speak please.
1: I I think it's very important to beckon for whatever is out there, but realizing that also we are at times very fragile. We can't take on everything, even if we are willing to. Um, So that's what I mean by um, having this illusion of control. Um, But I do not think that we can be afraid of our responsibility as artists um, and write in great flourishes of abstraction. I think we have to face what's out there, not to produce uh, political poetry, because I think when politics are on the surface of a poem, that's the death of the poem. I think underneath, lives um, perhaps um, um, a certain kind of sensitivity to what's happening in the world to what's happening to us as human beings that connects us and that's why with jazz um, there's that moment when um, Louis Armstrong I think it was in the 1950s Louis Armstrong's um, drummer Barrett Dean um, white drummer. Um, they visit New Orleans, and they are not allowed to play on the same stage. And I think Louis uh, Louis, um, Louis Armstrong wrote in his will not to be buried in New Orleans um, because of that. Because of that, and and I'm aware of that every time. I return to New Orleans because I get off the plane and I enter the Louis Armstrong airport. And then in the same week, I'm entering the Louis Armstrong park. It says a lot about about the man and what he stood for.
0: Yes, and so yeah. and that's because that's what I was going to say, like the responsibility, the responsibility of the artist to be be in the moment of the moment and to witness it, but to yeah. also act to act. And is that why you've made some of the choices to go into the world and and maybe even. Because I think about it, you graduate from high school and then you enlist and mm. you go to Vietnam.
1: Yeah, um. I mean,
0: and that's, yeah, <laughs> is that because uh, again, earlier today, not to keep referencing it, but you said that, like, those. The the 18, 19 year olds that had um, actually from the Midwest that got on buses to go down to to try and protect some of the civil rights workers and to ride on buses. And and you said perhaps they had like a certain um, innocence and trust. And and then and maybe if they didn't have that, they wouldn't have gone is to try to be of help and to believe in this
1: right, ideal right. or to right.
0: is that do you think that's what happened f- for you back then not necessarily
1: in that way uh, but i do admire those um, those young people who, who got on those buses and they trusted something within themselves to take that voyage
0: so it's trusting within themselves rather than yeah. trusting something in the world
1: yes but they are, yes, trusting something within themselves, something that really humanizes them through that action, but also, um, in a way, just that will to say, this is what democracy is about. This is very important to me. I'm going to be um, not passive, but I'm going to be at least part of the necessary action to be passive is to be acted upon and vice versa as as a thinking individual there's uh, there's these
0: moments of Yes. yes. In every life. Right. 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 (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. One would hope so. Yeah.
0: yeah, Yes. 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 Yeah. But it seems like there it's it's either sometimes you're acted upon so that then you're forced into think. But sometimes it seems like there needs to be some time, uh, some space that you can make where you actually are able to think or to stop instead of being always on the look or clicking ahead right. into the For future. Sure.
1: For sure For sure and that space um, is necessary to keep us human and sometimes we can equate that space with a measured silence. In order to have music, we have to have silence right um, We have to be able to meditate on possibility. Um, and not always um, have an attitude
0: a prejudgment
1: yes yes
0: and, and I'm wondering that seems to be something that you, that's a that would be a practice or what it would be you'd have to be aware of since some
1: or at least yeah. a rehearsal. <laughs> yeah,
0: right, right. We, 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 yeah we, Except we have this one life unless we can believe in reincarnation, right? <laughs> right.
1: right, right.
0: <laughs> but I sometimes I wonder I hope that I I think well by reading poems um and writing them certainly but by even reading them maybe that's some of that space I think so. That you can. I
1: think so. It's not uh, not so much the answers as the questions. Um, I often think about that. For the poet, it's not the answers. The poet is not to provide answers, but the poet is there to provide questions. And perhaps this is why Plato banished the poet from his ideal republic, because we tend to travel the waters a bit, but that's out of a necessity. And out of love. And out of love. Yes.
0: Thank you so much for being on the program today. <laughs> Thank you much. Thank you. Um, will you read us one more poem before before re- we go? I'll or?
1: recite a poem. <gasps> oh. um, Ode to the Maggot. Brother of the blowfly and Godhead, You work magic over battlefields And slabs a bad pork and flophouses. Yes, you go to the rut of all things. You are sound and mathematical. Jesus Christ, you're merciless with the truth. Ontological and lustrous, you cast bells on beggars and kings. Behind the stone door of Caesar's tomb, a split trench and a field a ragweed, no decree, a creed, cannot law you. As you take every living thing apart, little master of earth, No one gets to heaven without going through you first. Thank you. Thank you. I love that one.